When an abusive parent mostly neglected you, but then occasionally acted like they valued you, you probably had this very intense experience. I know the feeling too. A lot of us with childhood trauma know what this was like, of like, oh, finally they came around. My parent can see that I'm good and I'm worth loving, and I finally get to be safe and loved and taken care of. And if you're like a lot of kids with trauma, you got abandoned again, right? But what happens is what gets very big in your mind is that good feeling you had when there was hope. The hopeful longing that you felt. Maybe, maybe, oh yes, they love me. That became your comfort place. That became the secret chamber that you'd go to when life was hard and you felt lonely. The world on one side where it's scary and lonely, and then this place in your imagination where everything gets set right. This imaginary world versus the harsh real world primed you to crap fit. And that's a word I made up that means to fit yourself to crap, to fit yourself to unacceptable people and situations and use your imagination to fill in the huge gaps where things didn't make sense, where there was no love, but you found a way to see love. And it's so painful and disappointing when you've crap fitted your way into what you thought was a relationship only to get abandoned again. And my letter today is from a woman I'll call Mary Claire. And she writes, Hey Anna, I'm 26 years old and I work in a law firm and I'm currently studying for a bar exam, which is in a month when I'm officially going to become a lawyer. I'm very much respected at my work and until now very successful at what I do. I have one strong friendship in my life and lots of other good friends, but the the other areas of my life are not that good, so let's dive into them, <laughs> says Mary Claire. My parents divorced when I was 13 because my father cheated on my mother all through their marriage with multiple other women and was emotionally abusive toward her and me also, and still is. I think I should mention here that he was actually married at the time they started dating and he left his previous wife for my mother. My father has gone, has some narcissistic tendencies, but I'm not sure if he really is one. His mother died when he was five and his father never visited him, so he grew up with an emotionally abusive grandfather. Throughout my childhood, I rarely have any good memories with him except living in constant fear if I did something to upset him. He would often yell at me without any apparent reason and would give me the silent treatment since I can remember. Only times he would show me some love is when he was afraid of losing me like the times when they were getting a divorce or I was leaving for college or I was sick, etc. My mother is a child of an alcoholic and very loving person but with her own problems. She's pretty emotionally unstable and would often have bursts of anger and then would feel sorry and love bomb me but I could say that I feel safe around her unlike around my father. Okay. Now when growing up I had no structure. From the age of 15, I started smoking and drinking heavily on the weekends, staying in the clubs till the morning. My parents didn't really mind that, and both of them would really parent me only when I was meeting their emotional needs. So all of the above led me to having the anxious attachment style and a string of bad relationships, or more precisely, situationships, where I idolize the person I'm with and couldn't see them for the person they are and that they are mostly using me for whatever they lacked. 
For the past two years, I've been involved with a guy who I'll call John. We both knew um, each other for years, but I didn't think much of him until we officially met at a wedding. I found him very attractive and good looking, and he added me on Instagram and started texting me. He was so spontaneous and funny and easygoing, which felt like an oasis to me. But after the instant blow, I quickly realized that he's not interested in a relationship and that he just wanted to have some casual fun. I rejected that idea, and I told him directly that I'm not interested in that. And if, if that was the end of the story, I probably wouldn't be writing this email. So after a couple of months, we started occasionally replying to each other's Instagram stories and texting a couple times a week, which somehow resulted in me falling deeply in love with him. And then on his birthday, he asked me to see him for the first time. We had a couple of drinks and kissed. And after that, he sent me some strange long text where he said he crossed the line and that we shouldn't see each other and that he can't be in a relationship. Huh. I told him that's fine and we would, oh, that's fine, that's fine. And, and we again didn't speak for a couple of months and I moved on. And then he appeared again and triggered me in my obsession. And that time we started seeing each other again and this time having sex. The whole time he was giving me mixed signals like acting jealous when he thought someone liked me, acting protective over me, and saying that he can't imagine being with anybody else, but never labeling our situation. We were always supportive of each other and he would talk to me about his traumas and his family issues. So I was thinking that that means he has feelings for me also and is not just horny. On the other hand, I didn't want to seem desperate and start the topic of a real relationship. And I was playing the role of, you know, the cool girl. <laughs> yes. But after a full year of that, I, uh, that crap, I decided I will end things with him. We saw each other and I told him everything in person in, of course, a tiny little hope that he would maybe act right this time. Fair enough. And I told him that I wanted a committed relationship where I can have a partner and not just hookups with deep, long talks. I forgot to mention that he has never been in a relationship and he had one attempt with an older woman and he dumped her after a month because he just felt it wasn't right. He pretty much told me the same thing, which I understood as, I'm just not that into you. So the next day, I cried all day and decided I'm over it. <laughs> cool. The full month goes by and he got drunk, which he never does, and texted me that he misses me a lot, which he never did, and that he is not happy without me and all that goes with it. Again, we texted each other for days. He asked to go out with me just as friends, and so we did. He came to pick me up, and the moment I saw him, I felt happy as a puppy. We again had a couple of drinks, had a great time, but it ended on this, in the same spot last time. Him saying to me that he wants me very much, but that it's better for me to just move on. Still kissing me in the end. And that was yesterday. Mm. So my question is how to stop being delusional and crap fitting myself to these kinds of situations and establish my sense of worth because deep down, I know this is bullshit, but still that tiny flame of hope is burning inside of me. Mm-hmm. Tiny flame of hope. Hope is the dope. <laughs> okay, Mary Claire. Thank you. I've got it. I think I can help. Um, this guy is a type. He's a type and, um, he, he doesn't have very much to give. And for girls who are raised with trauma and totally breadcrumbed by their own parents, 
and your dad cheating on your mom and your mom kind of living with the lie and all the shame of staying with a guy who does that and all that sort of like mindset that sort of soaked into the carpets and the drapes of the room where you grew up. Yeah, you got some bad ideas kind of planted in you. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. That it's not right for people to treat a kid this way. It's not right for a dad to treat the mom of his children that way. But here we are. A lot of us have grown up in some tough situations. I can absolutely see how your parents' like indifference to your needs and inability to keep you safe. Um, you know, why do we do this? I don't know. They call it repetition compulsion. <laughs> is it a compulsion or is it a blind spot? I call it crap fit. We just have this incredible capacity when people don't treat us well to blame ourselves and go, maybe it's just me and put up with it. And there is the problem. It's the problem isn't that he does this. The problem is that you stay around for more. That's the problem. The problem is that he can still call you and see you and he can try all these different drama scenarios where he's like, oh, I crossed the line or, oh, you know, we're such good friends. Oh, let me tell you my trauma, you know? So it sounds like you guys do have a friendship, like a friendship with benefits. And you have very politely remained quiet about your true needs, which is you want a relationship. You don't want a friend with benefits. And you thought maybe if you just went along with his agenda that he would come around and see how lovable you are. And the sad thing is that that, that approach very seldom works. Men usually will not fall in love with somebody who just kind of, um, you know, shuts themselves down. You know who people fall in love with? They fall in love with real whole people who are shining out all over the place. You and your real feelings, your real needs. Now, I realize that some people are so troubled at a given time, you know, they're having such a difficult time that their real feelings and real, real needs are a great big mess and nobody can love that right now. That could happen. But real love cannot occur when somebody is completely hiding who they are by pretending to be okay. For example, with a friends with benefits relationship and going, oh, I don't want, you know, I'll be the cool girl. I don't want to be, um, what, what was it? You were, you were, you know, you were afraid that you would be the bad person if you expected anything from him. And isn't that just so weird? Like you can, I, it's so easy from the outside to see where that idea got into you. Oh, you have needs, you bad girl. You know, that's just pathetic having needs. You should not need anything. You should just be very jolly and go along with this kind of half-assed, terrible relationship situation where he gets everything he wants. He's not concerned that you're not getting what you want. And believe me, he knows what you want. But we can't totally fault people for proceeding in a relationship that we agree to through our silence, through not saying where we're really coming from. So I'm so proud of you. You spoke up and said, I want a real relationship. And right, what happens? It ruins the relationship. That's the beauty of truth. If it's not a relationship, then the truth that you love somebody and you want a real relationship with them, if that ruins it, you did not have the thing you wanted. So it's so nice to kind of, you know, bring it out into the open. And as sad as it is to lose the hope that somebody's going to come around and love you, what feels better than that and bigger, you know, like a bigger compensation for that sadness is the good, clean feeling inside that you're back in the truth. You're not playing along with a lie. You're not pretending you're cool or it's fine. That's fine. But he calls you when, it, you know, it sounds like he's just making booty calls. I really don't like him for this. You know, it's one thing when two people just want to fool around, but that's not really what it is here. You were primed by your neglectful and abusive childhood to just, 
you know, to tolerate crap and to somehow make it work, make it work for everybody by shutting down your own needs. The jig's up. <laughs> it's not going to work anymore. You're, you've like caught yourself doing it and you're feeling the pain of it. And hallelujah, it's time to, it's time to have a good cry about all the losses and all the emptiness and all the mistreatment that's happened to you because you were so good at this. Being good at this saved your life. When a little kid knows how to, you know, believe that everything's okay, that's how they keep their spirit intact. And then comes this thing in young adulthood, and it sometimes goes on all the way through life. I'm not joking, you know, you're working on this now, this is very good. This comes in adulthood where you haven't stopped the crap fitting, you're still fitting yourself to crap, you're still believing irrationally that if you are a low self-esteem person who just puts up with bad treatment, that will make somebody fall in love with you. But like I said, the opposite is what tends to happen. People, they don't get that sense of, of strength and, and self-respect that is very attractive. So here's what you can do. Here's what you can do, Mary Claire. You can begin today. Today is a very good day to begin. You're still quite young. You're 26. Yay. There's so much time. So beginning today, you can cut off contact with somebody who cannot give you what you want. Here's the trouble. Like it would be so nice in theory, if we could be friends with, with, with people that we had been in love with, we're trying to get over them. We're, we'd like to keep them in our lives and be friends while we also meet somebody new. What happens? Our emotional energy is just like, getting sucked out of us and into that person. And this guy, that's what I call an energy vampire, is people who, they know they aren't gonna give you what you want, but they like to give you just enough hope that you will keep letting them in. And sometimes it's about sex, Sometimes it's about validation for them. They just want to be adored like that. And then some people like really enjoy that moment where they go, oh no, I, I have crossed the line. I can't do it. Like it's, people have weird erotic fixations. They have weird things that make them feel valuable and important and seen. So our job is when that doesn't work for us is to stay away from those people, to use very good red flag detector vision <laughs> to go, oh, I'm seeing signs that this person is not available. So in my dating course, if you take that course, maybe you've taken it, it starts where you write down exactly what you want in your life and in a relationship. You write it down, you take some time with this, hundreds of things you can write down. And so you would be surprised how powerful it is to get clear what it is that you do want in your life. And then by definition, and also because you write it down, I cannot have this anymore. You know, I will not get together with a guy who's ambivalent about me. So it's okay for people to be ambivalent about each other at the beginning, but here's the trick. You don't get into the relationship with them while they're ambivalent. The way that you don't get into a relationship is you don't have sex. You can date somebody, you can get to know them, but you don't bond with them through sex until it has met your criteria of the level of likey, you know, they like you, they're committed to you. You set your own standards for that. And if you're somebody who goes, oh, nobody's gonna keep that standard, they will actually. If it's your standard and you hold on to it, you will find the people who match your standards. They are out there. Right now, if you think everybody just would never put up with that, you're hanging out with the wrong people.
So people get to decide how they want their relationships to be. But you're a 26 year old woman, you would like to have a relationship, like a committed relationship. This is what you do. You do not have, give any of your emotional availability to people, to, to men who, or, you know, whoever it is you love, you know, you fall in love. You can't help who you fall in love with, but you don't give them your, your emotional availability. You don't give them your love. You cut it off. Sure, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much as not doing that and not being able to have a fulfilling relationship because you spent two years, four years, seven years, whatever it is, wanting, waiting, pining, hoping, being cool, seeing if the love will show up and it never does, right? Don't be that girl. Hold yourself apart from that game. Stay very focused on what it is you want. You know, just radiate and shine what you want. Stay true to it. And yes, you might, you might not have a, a, a boyfriend for a year, maybe even two years. Can you handle it? Because if you keep getting into this one that matches your parent dynamic, the trouble is with these relationships, you can't just bide your time in them because they tear you down. They take it out of you. They wear you down. They make you ragged inside. They take away that bright, shiny emotional availability that healthy people can recognize. So you want to cultivate that. And you can have a wonderful life while you're not dating, while, while, you're, while that real thing has not come along. You can have friends. You can work on meaningful pursuits. You can become professionally accomplished, save money, you know, work on your health, get into hobbies, start a business. There's so many happy things to do in your life. And when you're a person who knows how to be happy, single, or in a relationship, you have it made. You will never have to hold on to a relationship just so you have somebody to hang out with. That's a very good goal. So I really wish that for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.